All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, uh, let's start with the ongoing port strike. Day 12 of the port strike it continues to drag on. Let's have a listen to Annie Dormuth here, Canadian Federation of Independent Business. They represent small business in Canada, calling on the federal government to step in to put a stop to this. Let's listen. It is really imperative that the federal government step up here and enact back-to-work legislation like they have done so when there was some similar strike in the, at the Port of Montreal a couple of years ago. Your thoughts? Yeah, so an important development late uh, yesterday, um, about 6.30, the federal government announcing that uh, special mediator or uh, a senior mediator, Peter um, Simpson has been appointed, and he is given specific instructions from the minister. So the end is, seems to be in sight. So he's got 24 hours to deliver his recommendations for a settlement, and I assume that means sometime tonight. Um, then the the two parties, both the employer and the union, will be given 24 hours to either reject or accept those recommendations. Now, if one party rejects the recommendations, then presumably that settlement will be the basis of the legislation that I would think the government would bring in uh, later this week or this weekend. So uh, the clock seems to be ticking now on a a defined timeline of when this is going to end. It's either going to end with the acceptance of these recommendations. We don't know what they're going to be. And again, the two sides are far apart on a number of things, not the least of which is wages. Um, and term of agreement. That's another important sticking point here. And uh, maintenance. Who does maintenance work? Um, I don't think he comes down the middle, but he's going to come, you know, he's going to please one side on one issue and probably displease the the other side on other issues. But again, if they reject these recommendations that we're going to see in the next 24 hours, uh, then look for the government to step in. Not not binding, though, right? These are recommendations only, so it's yeah. not binding. So I don't know. How much optimism should people have that this could result in a breakthrough? Well, I would think both parties should realize that this step is signal from the government that this settlement will be the one that's imposed. So either accept it or, you know, drag it on for needlessly for two or three more days when the when the end result is already in sight. I'm not sure what the point of that is, um, but we'll see what this, uh, the recommendations are. I, you know, the, I would bet that he comes in with a with a recommendation on, on the maintenance thing to send it out to some sort of arbitration committee, which is what the employer proposed, um, and we'll see where that goes. On wages, you know, lurking in the background here is the settlement that occurred on the west coast of the United States that Joe Biden brokered, which was a 32 percent wage increase over six years. That's a long contract. And I think the mediator may come down with a suggestion to have a lengthy contract, four years perhaps, with a big with big wage increase, um, probably in the neighborhood of uh, 5%, if not more, a year. And the, so the big number, I mean, 32% is a big number, but that's over six years. The mediator came in with a four-year proposal with perhaps 20 22%. I'd, I'd be more palatable to the union. The union is $8,000 uh, inflation adjustment allowance proposal. I just don't think it's going to cut it, but it's basically a signing bonus. But I wouldn't be surprised if the media came in and said, "Yeah, you get a signing bonus. Maybe not eight thousand, but maybe several thousand dollars." I mean, that's you dangle a signing bonus in front of employees. That's a pretty good um, way to get in, uh, endorsation. Negotiators don't like it because it's not built into the base. 
But the average person, if you dangle several thousand dollars in front of them, they'll say, yes, let's take it. Okay, so we continue to hear people saying the government should wield the hammer here. And maybe that will happen, like you said. Like, these are recommendations right now. If it doesn't work, maybe that's when the hammer comes down and there's some sort of imposed settlement, a back-to-work order. But we continue to hear more provinces, more business organizations saying, we want tougher action. We want the feds to impose an end to this strike. Now, notably... Uh, different tone, different message. Pre- B- BC Premier David Eby asked about this once again yesterday at the Premier's conference that's been going on. Should the feds order these workers back on the job? Here's what he had to say. Let's listen. We also know uh, in British Columbia where the port is that port workers have seen increasing costs just like everybody else. Those workers need to be treated with respect. And what we want uh, is a long-term deal. Your thoughts? Yeah, so key there, long-term Interesting that Evie would advocate that. That's not what the union's looking for. They've proposed a two-year deal. Um, now, the NDP, labor-friendly government, obviously, uh, is not going to advocate stepping into a dispute with the, with the hammer uh, from government. You've got the bus driver's dispute out in Fraser Valley, which has been dragging on for some time. We had the bus driver's dispute on the Sea to Sky uh, system, which went on for months. The government shows no signs of intervening there. Harry Baines, the Labour Minister, is fond of saying the best deal is one reached at the negotiating table. Having said that, the NDP government of the 1990s, if you recall, did legislate an end to a, a CUPE strike in Surrey. So there has been precedent for the NDP advocating a legislated end to collective bargaining disputes. Uh, but you, I don't think you're going to see EB join Daniel Smith in Alberta, Scott Mullen, Saskatchewan, and, and yesterday Doug Ford in Ontario asking the federal government to intervene in this. And I think uh, he probably doesn't have to do that now because the, uh, the mediator, uh, the clock is ticking. His, uh, his recommendations will land tonight. They'll go to the parties overnight. We expect to hear yay or nay sometime tomorrow. Okay, let me ask you, switch topics here, and let me ask you about the, the continuing pressure on British Columbia's Children and Families Minister, Mitzi Dean, to resign in the aftermath of this horrifying foster child case. So this is two two indigenous foster children who were uh, court heard these unbelievable unbelievable evidence that they were tortured and starved in a Fraser Fraser Valley foster home uh, between 2020 and 2021. So there have been jail sentences in this, but the court also heard that the ministry did not in, check up on these kids for seven months. Right, it appears to be a, a crucial bungle here by the system. And there's been calls on this particular cabinet minister to resign. She uh, says she's not resigning. David Eby, the premier, says he's not going to fire her. Let's have a listen to what she had to say to Global News yesterday, and I'll get your thoughts. Here's Children and Families Minister Mitzi Dean. It's not about me. What is most important is to get to the bottom of this. I absolutely understand and I deeply share the pain and the anger and the outrage. Your thoughts. I mean, it doesn't sound, this minister is not going to resign. No, I don't think she will resign. I don't think he's going to replace her. Um, Look, I've covered this ministry for decades, and it is a no-win ministry in many situations. These are very troubling situations. Uh, The two social workers who are responsible for this file have been dismissed. Uh, there is an investigation of, over what happened, who dropped the ball here. Uh, now, having said that, the NDP in opposition used to call for resignations of children and families ministers all the time. Sure. Um, but I think uh, I don't think replacing the minister fixes the system. There is, seems to be a, a breakdown in this particular, um, not only this case, 
But as uh, indigenous leaders have pointed out, this is uh, more a systemic problem than just a single one-off situation, even though this was a horrific outcome. Uh, There are troubles in the system, and there's no question. But I'm not not sure replacing the minister is going to fix it. Okay. We continue to follow that one for you. Let me ask you real quickly. My first guest this morning was Port Coquitlam Mayor Brad West. Mm -hmm. And we talked about... (laughs) We talked about the cleanup blitz yep. that's going on in, in Poco. You know, he talked about how many how many pounds of garbage they've picked up off the street and the illegal dumping that yep. goes on. You know, knuckleheads who throw away an old sofa or, or a mattress on the streets of Poco. And he said, look, this is our job. This is our core job to keep the streets clean. And he thinks that other municipalities too often go out of their own lane, go out of their own jurisdiction, whether it's like the Vancouver Cup fee, or suing big oil companies. He says, look, you should stick to your core responsibilities. Do you think that's a message that resonates with people? Oh, for sure. I think Brad West has his finger on the pulse of public opinion. No question. He famously said, we're not the, we're not the United Nations. We're yeah, not yeah. here to fix the world's problems. We're here to fix the potholes and keep your taxes down. I mean, I was startled to, in your interview with him. He pointed out a 2% um, increase in property tax which in contrast to many municipalities, double-digit uh, increase in property tax because they're funding so many more things that go beyond the core services. I tweeted out last night, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a, a city hall that functions as a city hall is supposed to function. Yeah. Do the basics, don't get into uh, stuff you don't need to, to get your nose into, and uh, as a result, relieve the financial pressure on your residents. So again, West is out, out ahead of the curve. All right, Baldry's Beat, let's go right to your phone calls here. Joe in Vancouver. Hi, Joe, go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, um, I just want to leave a comment because I live in Vancouver, and uh, this, uh, what the mayor and uh, what, the, what the mayor and Port Moody is doing is, is wonderful. He's keeping it, you know, to what the people are in, in his district. Now, I remember in Vancouver, Mayor Moonbeam, uh, Gregor Robertson, when he decided to say that he was going to cure homelessness in less than like three, four years. And he was in Vancouver for the longest time, and he never did it. But that was a provincial matter, not a not a, you know, a Vancouver matter, because it went a little bit higher than him. But, you know, these crazy ideas they have, like, you know, like, like, the, the, like the one thing about being with the United Nations. Yeah, but keep it simple. And, you know, keeping the taxes so low at 2%, definitely. Look at us in Vancouver. It's going up to what, 9%? Every, you know, every little bit. Yeah, I I agree. Keep it simple, but not in Vancouver. Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's not just Vancouver. I mean, all sorts of municipalities have 10, 11 percent property tax increases. But again, you know, keep it simple. Actually, the 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 word is kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. And that's what a mantra that Brad West is following. Uh, and, And, you know, he's... Get sort of rock star status out there in Poco. He went to a festival on the weekend, and you know, huge uh, acclaim and applause. And I think um, I've been saying for a few years, keep an eye on Brad West. Yeah. He's going places. He's not going to be mayor of Poco forever. He's going to probably go to higher political status than that. I suspect he will. And if he does, at some point, step up into let's say provincial politics, which I think maybe is what he's got in mind. He'd probably run for the NDP, right? Like he's got a, he's like a labor background. Well, he's probably a, he's the type of guy who'd be approached by all parties, you know, because he he doesn't stick to one. He's not an ideologue. He's a a uh, pragmatist. 
And I do think he's the heir apparent to Mike Farnworth's seat in Poco. Right, I right. think Farnworth's going to run one more time, and then I think West will, will, will take over from that. And um, he'd more than likely win. And if the NEB forms government, which I think is a pretty good possibility, he'd certainly be cabinet material. Let's go to Mike in Parksville. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Oh, morning, guys. Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, if keep the federal government out of the uh, port strike, except maybe get the Competition Bureau, even though they really are kind of a useless ministry. But uh, – is how come there's only like three or four big port companies? They're uh, they're playing a shell game, I think. They give L.A. workers a huge uh, raise, and they're just trying to push all their ships down there. They don't care if Vancouver goes on strike, really, until uh, the L.A. port workers stepped in and said they're not going to take the ships. So there's some collusion going on between the owners, I believe, anyways. Yeah, so again, uh, Los Angeles, Seattle, uh, Tacoma, uh, Longshoremen there got a 32% increase, wage increase, over six years. Uh, that was brokered by Joe Biden. That's going to have an impact on the eventual outcome of this strike. There's going to be a significant wage increase for the union here. I don't think there's any question. The union put out a release uh, late last night uh, or early today pointing out that the profits that these companies have earned uh, have, yeah, have quadrupled right. over just a couple of years. They've taken advantage of the pandemic. So uh, yeah, the profit margin is huge for these companies, and I think as a result, you're going to see a significant wage increase coming from the mediator's uh, recommendations, which should be land in the minister's office sometime tonight. Right, and how how optimistic? What's your read of that? Like, do you think these these recommendations, these federal recommendations, could produce a breakthrough? Well, I think there's every reason to hope that it, it would. I mean, um, there's again three key issues: there's wages and benefits. There's automation, particularly at the at the Roberts Bank port, which is you know new and, and expanded. Um, and then uh, one of the key ones is maintenance work. Who does the maintenance work at the port? Um, and maintenance is very broadly defined. It's all sorts of things: fixing the rail lines, uh, paving the port, the deck. Um, the employer argues the unions membership do not have the skill set. Uh, required to do some of these tasks. The union says, no, we want to do all that stuff. I think the the, the solution there potentially is to farm that up, that issue off the table to a, to a committee with both sides represented on it, let them deal with it in some sort of arbitration. Automation is, I don't think the union is going to win that in terms of new port expansion. And wages, I think they are going to get a significant wage hike. Rob in Chilliwack. Rob, you've got 30 seconds here. Go ahead. Okay, I'll be real, I'll be real quick. Very unfortunate what happened with that ministry and those children. Yeah. And it's always sad to me, obviously, when something like that happens. But, it, you know, these workers that got fired, that's, that's also sad. It's Mitzi Dean, and if she's listening, you should resign because the buck stops with you. You're running the show. But, hey, hey guys, Keith, I just wanted to tell you with this whole RCMP thing and that I always like to say, Farnworth, if you're listening, you should really stay out of it. it it's Brenda Locke's decision, and the people have spoken. And one more thing with the, with the uh, city of Nanaimo. You know what, Keith, you, I hear you say a lot that uh, – you don't know why the RCMP haven't gone in there. Well, you know what? It took me, it took me five minutes. I phoned. You know what? The the mayor phoned me back, and I had a nice chat with him. Super nice, super nice guy. And okay. they're waiting for Modi to go in, and they thank, need help there. So they're waiting for that. Is actually thank you. That cleaned up. Thank you, thank you, Rob. So real quickly, you expect on the Surrey Police? We covered a lot of ground there, but on Surrey Police, you still anticipate a decision on this next week potentially? I think next week. That's a, that's a rumble around the building here. It's it's next week, Mike Farmer, and the announcement will be made here in Victoria in the press theater. Thanks a lot. All right.